From India's largest newsroom, I'm Meenal Baghel and this is the Times of India podcast. Well, one didn't expect this to happen uh, in this regime. I, I, I'm sure they, they may have good reasons to remove Virat Kohli. I, I'm not aware of it uh, as captain, but there are ways to do it. This is not a way to treat such a uh, cricketer. It's not the way to treat any cricketer, especially somebody like Virat Kohli. And what is disappointing, disappointing is it's happened under a presidentship of a, a man who, who we saw transfer as the book. Uh, if you read the book, you'll see how Ganguly is portrayed as, 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 as that uh, outstanding cricketer who helped India to overcome a lot of obstacles, how he changed the course of Indian cricket history. Now, as a board president, to be indulging, uh, to be doing this is, is very disappointing. And what is even more disappointing is that after the Lola Commission recommendations were mandated by the Supreme Court, the board is not following them. It is, it is challenging it again and again. Pradeep Magazine has been following Indian cricket since the 1970s and has seen the many ups and downs of the sport, which are documented in his book, Not Just Cricket, A Reporter's Journey Through Modern India. In the tradition of the best kind of cricket writing, Pradeep Magazine chronicles things beyond the boundary. He documents the many clashes between Indian cricket board and the players the ugly spectre of match-fixing, his travels to Pakistan and his interactions with some of Indian cricket's biggest icons. He writes about cricket acting as a band-aid that soothed the nation during the political churn of the 80s and the 90s. In this conversation with my colleague Arun George, Pradeep Magazine also says that whatever has happened with Virat Kohli is actually quite consistent with how the Indian Cricket Board has always functioned. Pradeep is speaking after Virat Kohli was unceremoniously sort of removed as captain of the ODI squad and Ravi Shastri was replaced by Rahul Dravid. You know, in your book, this seems to be this one thing that seems to be running through Indian cricket, right? Where there's this perpetual tinkering to sort of establish the board's rate on how the sport is played. Why has this always been the case in a sense? Well, uh, it's difficult to say why do officials uh, do this, but it's obvious that uh, apart from the uh, a few a few times, like when Ganguly became captain, he got a long reign, and even Dhoni did. And uh, normally, it's been like this: uh, they keep on changing captains, and uh, it it definitely affects uh, relationships, as my book in a way shows that how uh, these kind of uh, games breed in insecurity among the seniors and then then it affects the team morale it affects relationships also uh, because they are young people their stakes are very high and, uh, and this happens maybe board because it gives them a sense of power i mean they are not playing there out in the middle but but they, they can show that they control everything. Where do you put Virat Kohli in that pantheon of cricket captains? Well, he's right there. I'm, uh, I mean, he, he's, he has the strongest cricket team, especially in terms of bowling, which any Indian captain ever had, which helps. Every captain has a legacy from which he takes on. 
and and takes the team forward. So Virat has been that way lucky that he inherited a very strong team, a strong bowling side, and he himself is such a steely character. I I don't think India has ever had a captain with, with this kind of a strong, this strong will, outspoken like like he again. If he feels something, he should be saying again. It may be wrong, but he has the courage and guts to do that. Saurabh Ganguly, you were close to him as a player as well. You interacted with him a lot during that very tumultuous Greg Chappell era. You had a lot of interactions with him even post all of that. Does this kind of disappoint you the way the board's going? As someone who's known him for this long and has seen him evolve in many roles, was this something you expected? It's disappointing. I, I'm not sure whether it is whether I'm surprised, but I'm disappointed that that for a cricketer of his stature, of his legacy, to not realize that uh, at stake is not just his personal ambitions or personal uh, growth. At stake is uh, is a new era in Indian cricket, where first time a cricketer. Such a big cricketer becomes the board president, and and uh, he shouldn't be doing things which uh, he during his own captaincy time would say that would believe that the board is not uh, as transparent or uh, as uh, cooperative to players as as they wished. So it's it's very disappointing. The first cricketer who makes an appearance in your book, the big cricketer who makes an appearance in your book, is Tiger Pataudi. Could you talk about what was his contribution in that sense to changing Indian cricket? Is he that first great captain that India had? Well, if you talk to the players who played under him, especially the spinners, Vishen, uh, Prasanna, or other cricketers, they they are full of praise for him. For for uh, I I mean, uh, if you go to what Patodi says in the book, uh, and he he is quite fed up with. The way the board handles the selections, he's quite fed up with with the, some of the players itself. But everyone says that he he had this uh, charisma, he had this uh, skill to handle uh, different kind of temper temperaments well. And given the fact that we didn't have a very strong team at that moment, there were individuals who were outstanding cricketers, but as a team, India was not doing well. India won its uh, first uh, series uh, overseas under his captaincy in New Zealand. They may not have won a lot by today's standards, but we have to uh, look at from where the team was coming and what it was doing. So Patadi has left a, a larger-than-life uh, influence on that team, and even today, uh, you will find people taking his name with awe and, and, and respect. Another cricketer who again has a very outsized role in the book is Kapil Dev. You know, he kind of pops up in your life in Chandigarh. There's a nugget about a cricket match which you play with him, which I don't think too many people can say anyone has done with such a big cricketer. You walk out of one job because you are accused of going soft on him. Uh, he is now back in the spotlight thanks to the 83 win. What's it like to have like this big legend of the game to be such a like part of your life through almost all of it in a sense? I have to thank Kapil for, for 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 helping me in profession in the sense that because I was in Chandigarh and not much used to happen there. Uh, when I became a reporter, had Kapil not become that big big cricketer uh, in uh, Indian cricket, I wouldn't have got 
too many bylines out, <laughs> outside Chandigarh, which I mentioned in the book, because Kapil would come back after his uh, performances, come back home and uh, give those small interviews. Uh, there is one major interview also after the 83 World Cup, which created a lot of controversy. So in a way, his journey as a great cricketer helped me as a small-time reporter to make some mark in journalism. We have had an off-and-on relationship because my professional uh, demands at many times would be in variance with, uh, say, his, his role as a cricketer. But yes, I, I, uh, I had to quit a job because, because I felt that uh, my, my integrity was being questioned. I'm friendly with him. He's friendly with me. I don't know how he takes this book as maybe I'm not too sure. Though I, I, I don't think I have written anything which, uh, which he may not like, but one never knows. What I find very amazing about Kapil is uh, he, he, he comes from uh, no creating tradition. Chandigarh, when uh, I was there in college or when he was uh, just making, taking his first steps towards his uh, stardom, nobody thought because you know how it is. There has to be some tradition of uh, that sport in that place. But his... If you if you know Kapil, if you know Kapil well, I have not seen any any sportsman with that kind of self belief, that kind of uh, motivation, that kind of uh, desire, ambition to do well. So it's, it's these are amazing qualities, and I think that's why combined with natural talent, and uh, he became what he became. And even today, if you Tell him he resents the fact that people think that he was not a good captain. His captaincy came through intuition or some kind of a luck. Because he thinks his understanding of the game is so, so good. As there is a quote in, in the book of his, after he won the Wisdom's uh, Cricket of the Century, which came after match fixing allegations, which was a great relief to him that he thought his uh, self-respect had been restored. He, in an interview, told me that, look, uh, I recognize, and that is in the book, I recognize each and every batsman I have bowled to. You show me his grip and stance. I don't need to see the face. I will name that person. And he was, uh, he was saying that he, he, it's because he would read their uh, grips and their uh, guard and stand so that he, to figure out what are their weaknesses. So this was his way of saying that, look, I'm intelligent enough. I, it's not just that I go and bowl and then in swinger or an out swinger comes just naturally offhand. Do you think like his legacy kind of gets restored with something like this movie coming along that we, it kind of restores it to that sort of starting point where he was at his pinnacle and when it kind of got slightly more muddied along the decades as it went along? Yeah, it got muddied, especially during the match-fixing allegations when Prabhakar said that he's the but you see, somehow I've seen that people have short memories, especially when it comes to superstars. I mean, Kapil today is as popular and as uh, seen with great respect and great love as he was during earlier days. Another cricketer who you speak of almost fondly in the sense and has this sort of larger-than-life presence in the book is Bishan Singh Bedi. He's this no-nonsense, upright, and like he's almost heroic in the sense that, you know, he sort of stands by those principles through the book as in there's 
no scenario in which he he sort of uh, alters his stand and uh, you know what's the cost at which it has come to him and do you think it's unprofitable or almost insane for a cricketer now to be as sort of steadfast as a bishan singh bedi bishan has i think lost a lot in life in terms of money by by taking those stands because he could have uh, been part of the establishment being on on various committees and looked after well but bishan is bishan like you may disagree with a lot of his stands it's not that uh, say i personally would agree with a lot of things which he took stand on but his tremendous integrity and honesty lies in the fact that if he believed that what he was doing is true he would stake everything he, he wouldn't care he has done it even now, till now he has done it it's quite a remarkable character as i have in my, my book during his stint as uh, punjab's coach and manager which he helps them to win the ranji trophy what i saw was amazing and and if 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 one cricketer or sportsman i have huge respect and admiration for it's bishan and I, I, it comes out in the book and do you think anyone can be like him anymore well, it's difficult the stakes everyone is an embedded uh, I, i i mean I, i i don't want to say this but we journalists we are embedded cricketers are embedded they establishment they all have become a part of something which is a beomat which nobody wants to disturb so so it will be difficult it will be almost impossible and if anyone does show signs of uh, taking a stand i think he will be immediately cut off from the system another aspect again that i personally like is the fact that you know through everything that's happening and a lot of churn is going through india you have the babri masjid demolition you have the and the anti mandal protest you have political churn you have everything going on and in the middle of it you are covering a cricket match at all points it's almost like cricket is its own bubble in a sense could you talk about what it's like to come a cricket or even go to a sport at a time when almost everything outside that stadium is on fire well it was scary i i remember how in punjab to travel in buses and fear that somebody might uh, take out a gun from out of nowhere and kill you so it was it was scary and uh, but since uh, cricket was taking place uh, life was going on and simultaneously in punjab um, maybe for a short period during mandal uh, there may have been a disruption because there were too many protests all over india especially in the north but it was it was difficult but what i also tried to do in the book is try to capture the the political social background of that period because i don't think any sport is played in a vacuum you talk about pravin amre and kamli how they sort of faced a discrimination not just i mean with kamli you refer more to the indisciplines that were there but with amre you also talk of this sort of almost class difference which kind of prevented him from growing do you think that that sort of cricket's changed over the years for the better is it better now in terms of how we choose players well definitely has improved i think uh, that the period i refer to uh, uh, has the mandal backdrop uh, of of uh, a huge backlash from the upper classes castes against the reservations for obcs so uh, in a way i tried to connect uh, uh, the indian cricket team their attitude towards people who they feel do not belong to they may not be of of 
different castes, but, but, but somebody who, the class in the sense that not public school, English educated uh, cricketers. What I have found is that even the cricketers, it's not true of other sports. Cricketers prefer not to, if they come from, uh, from a, a lower class or a lower caste, they prefer to remain silent because they feel uh, they should not be revealing their, uh, their caste. They may be discriminated or they may, be, they, they, they may not be treated well. But it has changed. It's changed a lot. Another major aspect of the book is the match-fixing scandal. You talked about how you, what were called masala matches. And these dodgy games in Sharjah where, you know, even Daud Ibrahim turns up in the dressing room and stuff like that. Could you talk about how big the specter of match-fixing was at that time? How do you view now, say, matches of that era? One started doubting these things only in the 90s uh, when, when suddenly... Uh, Players, you heard players being suspicious. You see them, talk to them, talk to players. You realize that uh, there's something wrong. Because once the player starts suspecting something is wrong, obviously there is a serious problem. So then you look back at at masala matches. You look, see these masala matches are played. uh, Television, Doodarsan used to show them live. I mean, God knows what what may have happened in those matches. Because once you realize that players were on the take later, and then Sharjah has been always a dodgy place. So you look back, you wonder, you, you, once the doubt creeps in your mind, you can look at everything because sport is such a thing that a lot of things happen, you, you commit mistakes. But if you doubt, then every mistake or even if there is not a mistake, you start seeing it differently. I think that is where it hurts more. When you think, oh, this victory was great victory, but was there something dodgy about it? <laughs> something like this, of this specter can completely wreck a sport. But after that, it continued to grow. Do you think, like, how do you think that happened? I don't know. You look at IPL, you look at the 2013 scandal. I mean, there is no doubt that there were officials who were betting or they may have been players on the tape. And yet, IPL is so popular. My sense is that it's uh, cricket has become like pop culture, film, mass entertainment industry, where there is good, bad, everything, but it's carrying on. It's people are coming to the ground, people are watching on television, people look at these cricketers as film stars. So it's it's become like a mass entertainment industry, and nothing is going to affect it. It seems. You talk pretty warmly of your trips to Pakistan. There's no rancor about it. Especially since you're a Kashmiri and, you know, there's a, almost like an expectation that you're expected to be more, uh, I don't know, angry about it. But your book, you're almost completely, it's almost like you look at it very lovingly, each of those trips. Um, what do you think we're getting wrong in that sense about Pakistan in our own perceptions of it? I firmly believe that if you, there is a life which is, it's not my fault that I, I am a Kashmiri, I am a Hindu, I am born in a place where there is conflict. It's not, it's a past. I, I, I realize that if you get affected by that past, you destroy your present and future. I mean, revenge and anger are not the best tools to solve any problem. In fact, they are more harmful. So I, I look at things uh, 
objectively and when I as my three trips to Pakistan or many journalists who have gone to Pakistan show it's a society which offers a lot of love and care for uh, for Indians who go there and who who see that place so that's how I also see that see there are problems but those problems like in 2004 because the Indian state had sanctioned that trip and said that look go and win over uh, Pakistani people Pakistan also wanted uh, Indians to be treated well it suddenly opened out those people who may be scared so once the state is also approvingly looking at your behavior of goodwill I mean people want to be good to each other people to people relationship if they're not seen through political prism through past People want to be friendly to each other. That's my experience. But even the fan experience seems to have changed, right? Because like you have fans who are just willing to applaud the opposition team. They stand up and applaud, say, the West Indians. They applaud the opposition team when they win in India. You have that sort of weird jingoism now where you can't like you can't even applaud if some the other team wins in a sense because you're scared that someone will take offense to it in a sense. Well, I, th- I think it's because of the kind of atmosphere which is prevailing in the country or which is being encouraged. So there are people, I'm sure they still are in a minority. I mean, I'm, I mean, majority would still want to and do applaud uh, good cricket from wherever it comes. But because uh, this m- minority fringe is being encouraged to and even being uh, helped to to do these things, they 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 have this... They are bold enough to do this. In our times, uh, this wouldn't have happened. It never happened. But it's becoming more and more prevalent because everyone thinks that's the in thing, which is sad. Doesn't that sort of hurt cricket in the long term? It is going to hurt the sport itself because uh, sport has a tradition of, 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 of people following. I mean, uh, an Indian fan, an Indian can be a fan of Pakistan team or a West Indies team. He may not support your own team. That's how sport is. We, we, uh, that's worldwide like this, though, because these are stars and you become fans to to kind of force them into this kind of a nationalism and think that as if a war is taking place and and your lives are at stake is unfortunate. You've also seen cricket sort of metamorphose in every decade. Uh, you've seen it from the Pataudi era to now the this era. How do you see Indian cricket changing in the next decade? That's a very difficult uh, question to answer because Indian cricket, I mean the way it is headed, I feel that IPL will become the, not that it is not already, it will become more and more the central to India's interest in, in this sport because it's getting in money. There are businessmen who, who, who have the money to control the board. There's every possibility that the Indian cricket board one day will turn into the people who are managing, who are who have IPL teams. They they might be directly running Indian cricket. And, and what are their interests? Their interests are profits. Where do the profits come from? They come from the, these leagues. So... I think these leagues are going to spread more and more, and unless India has a has the has administrators or visionary who think this cricket is of some value, but if things are not corrected and the way they are headed, I doubt this cricket will survive at all. 
Today's episode is produced by Arun George and Sunai Marathi. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We are available on TUI Plus, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, reach us at tuipodcasts at timesinternet.in.